You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. portion of the Grace Harbor and what? I, th- I would call uh, Pacific County. We, we cover Pacific County a little bit too. G- portion of our podcast. <laughs> Can you pop harder, please? <laughs> Pow! <laughs> okay. It's a powerful portion of our podcast. <laughs> it is. I'm Daniel Hargrove along with my co-host Justin Damashevitz, who is joining us virtually from parts unknown. And our producer... Is Andrew keeping us on the air? Is it is it still the air when we're not like going out over the radio waves? I doubt it. Probably keeping us live. Keeping or us live online. That makes maybe. sense. Francis called me during the break. He wanted to explain to me again. Is that, a lo- is that tampering? Who I feel his like that teams might be were? <laughs> <laughs> who his teams are and why those are his teams? He had a good reason for all of them. Uh, I'm still not so going to remember. Can you explain them. it? Uh. No, but I think I'm it was, <laughs> I think it was, it was, and I, I got to tell you, Francis, I'm sorry. The service really isn't great out here, but it was Yankees, Bears, Celtics, Irish, Kentucky. Is it just because he roots for And then for also team, like, Alabama. Like evil teams. Because apparently his dad got recruited to play for Alabama when he was in high school or something in football. So that's pretty impressive. So it seemed like there was good reasons for Sounds everything. Sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> that is in direct conflict with what he put in our YouTube chat, which is, I can't tell you why, I can't tell you who my teams are anymore. I'm shuffling too many bandwagons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a direct quote. He also, it is. It's on the chat. says that Bill's Mafia is his current bandwagon, and I am a fan. I, I, I like the Bills, especially as, like a, as the AFC team. Oh, like well, you... The, you and Ian I would, did that. Ian's also I, I picked up some broadcasting stuff from Ian Cope, voice of Grace Harbor Sports on my way here today cuz he we, loves that nickname. I know, he loves it so much. He gets really excited every time I say it. Um, <laughs> and he was wearing a Bills Mafia t-shirt. So, he is all in. He's been a Bills fan I think since they went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them. Yeah, and see I am not a, I wouldn't even call myself a fan, but I am enjoying yeah. them d- doing well. Gotcha. They're fans. It's mostly their fans. Their fans are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Justin's being a troll in the comment section as usual because he says something's going to be a tough choice when he doesn't think it's going to be a tough choice at all. Uh, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but thank you again to our sponsors. And remember, hey, if you want to sponsor us, we would love to have more sponsors. I'm probably going to ask for more sponsors here soon because you know what? I think I've been lazy about asking people to sponsor us and I probably shouldn't just do that on a podcast that they don't listen to. Anyway, thank you they again. should to our, be listening. Yeah, thank you to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Okay, Justin's out of it because he's no virtual. Relation. There you I'm go. I'm a little slow today. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Oli Penn Real Estate. 
the sponsor of our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, which we will get to in just a bit. But first, we've got a long local sports roundup. Thanks to Justin doing some great work for us and compiling this. So let's get it going. All right, Hoquiam made the trip to Eatonville, uh, Eatonville on Thursday and fell to the state-ranked Cruisers 42-7. to You know the only good thing in Eatonville? Northwest Trek. Other than that, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Grizzlies' one lone touchdown came in the fourth quarter on a pass from Xander Jump to Owen McNeil. Not a surprise there. Owen's a stud making catches for the Grizzlies. And uh, Hoquiam is the Evergreen's fourth seed and will travel to La Center for a district crossover game against the Trico's top seed. Montesano's football team rushed for 378 yards and shut down Elma's potent passing attack in a 62 to nothing win at Jack Rottle Field in Montesano on Friday. The Bulldogs re- uh, forced five Eagle turnovers and were led by a stellar all-around performance by senior quarterback Jaden McElravey. On his senior night, McElravey rushed for 120 yards and four touchdowns while completing five of six passes for 68 yards. McElravey also intercepted a pass, forced a fumble, and recorded five tackles. Wow. Athlete of the week. Fellow senior Cole Eckerson stepped in at halfback for injured Ethan Blundred and rushed for 107 yards on seven carries and caught three passes for 53 yards. Gabe Bodwell scored two rushing touchdowns for Montesano. Bodie Poehler and Christian Morris each scored one. Jackson Wilson scored the game's only defensive touchdown on a second quarter pick six. Gibson Kane had the most impressive offensive stat line for the Eagles, catching seven passes for 102 yards. Elma's season is over, unfortunately. Uh, Montesano is the Evergreen League second seed and will host the Trico's third seed, Seton Catholic, next week in a loser-out winner-to-state district crossover. A depleted Aberdeen squad had a shot to secure a playoff spot with a win over Shelton on Friday. Unfortunately, the Bobcats started slowly and couldn't come all the way back, falling to the high climbers 41-34. Jeremy Sawyer scored twice for Aberdeen, while Trey Anderson, Aiden Watkins, and Cale Goings each found the end zone once. Still amazing that Kale's even playing with that knee injury. What a baller. Aberdeen will play a Kansas tiebreaker against Black Hills and Shelton on Monday in Tumwater to determine the final two Evergreen 2A playoff spots. The voice of Grace Harbor Sports, Ian Cope, will not be there, but I will be in his stead to see who moves on to the playoffs and if Aberdeen will be one of those two teams. Ooh, on Halloween, spooky. <laughs> Raymond South Bend clinched third place in the 2B Central North League with a 48-34 win over Morton White Pass on Thursday. Ravens quarterback Austin Snodgrass completed all four of his pass attempts for 151 yards, including a 57-yard score to Kai Huey. Snodgrass also rushed for 95 yards and two tutties. Ty Reidinger led... <laughs> I mean, RSC good for the Twitter. touchdowns, but I'm sad that you said tutties. <laughs> Ty Reidinger led RSB with 96 yards and two scores on 15 carries. Farrell Johnson ran for 82 yards and scored on both of his rushing attempts. The Ravens will travel to Kalama on Friday for their district crossover. In cross-country, Evergreen League champions Jane Never Stops Running Roloff 
and Timmy <laughs> Tiggy Higgins. I love that we have nicknames for both of them. Each placed third at the district championships on Thursday in Woodland. Higgins ran a personal best 17 minutes and one second, and Roloff logged a time of 19 minutes and 34 seconds. Montesano had several runners qualify for state as well. Eric Jacklin and Benjamin Anderson placed sixth and eighth, respectively, in the boys' race, and teammates Lily Schwepp and Asha Harris qualified in the girls' race. Aberdeen girls' soccer team closed out the regular season with a 4-1 win over Rochester on Thursday. Amon Chima, Maddie Gore, Marina Marl, and Zoe Tro each scored for the Bobcats. Aberdeen, which finished its league season with a 9-3 record, kicked off district tourney play with a 1-0 loss to R.A. Long at Stewart Field in Aberdeen on Saturday. The Bobcats will be back in action Tuesday against Washougal in a loser out match. Okay, you wrote four to nothing, but you said four to one. I meant four to nothing. Sweet. Okay, just double checking <laughs> on that. Sticking with soccer, Montesano completed the regular season with a what? Oh, with a 15-1 record. I thought they won a game 15-1, and that would have been weird. Uh, with a 15-1 record after picking up wins against WF West, take that, and Hoquiam this week, the Bulldogs took down the Bearcats 4-3. to That's a tough matchup on Tuesday, getting two goals from midfielder Bell Estrada and a goal apiece from Lily Kazi and Michaela Stanfield. Montesano then topped Hoquiam. Whoa. That's a score that should not be in soccer games. Montesano then topped Toquim 12 to nothing on Thursday. 12 to nil. Ooh, the Bulldogs will host a district playoff match on Tuesday. Elma Soccer closed out its regular season on Tuesday with a 7 to 1 win over Eatonville. Grace Spencer and Beta Valentine each recorded a hat trick for the Eagles. Miley Seberg rounded out Elma's scoring. Elma finished second in the Evergreen 1A League with a 6-2 record. It's only two league losses coming against Montesano, by, both by a one-goal margin. Those were both 2-1 to one games. The Eagles will host a district playoff game this week on Tuesday as well. Hoke Williams' volleyball team completed its regular season undefeated with a straight-set win over Montesano on Thursday and won its first league title since 2012. Faith Prosh led the Grizzlies with 11 kills, while Christina Goulet and Chloe Kennedy added 10 kills apiece. Ella Fulkers racked up 32 assists, and Gracie Bonnie Spradlin recorded a game-high 22 digs. Montesano finished the regular season in second in the league with a 6-2 record. Both teams will start district tournament play on Wednesday. Whew. And that will do it for our local sports roundup. Thank you to Justin for compiling all that. Thank you to the Daily World, which is uh, where we got a lot of that information. And uh, I got to say, support your local newspaper and your local radio stations, because that is a big way that we support local athletes is because of your support of those outlets. So, um, I mean, we do our own coverage of some things, but we are only three people, and the more people around the Grace Harbor and Pacific <laughs> County area, the better, so that we can all work together to support local athletes. And clearly, Daniel hasn't been keeping up on the soccer news. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know Montesano's real good. I just really enjoyed wow. that you 
thought that 15 and 1 was the goal and there was the score and then you then got it, to a 12 nothing score. <laughs> yeah. 12 nil. 12 nil. 12 nil. Rhymes with dill. Mm, pickles are good. <laughs> I mean, come on. Nobody else likes they, pickles? They are delicious. Okay. I love pickles. Okay, good. I'm glad we're in agreement here. Justin, you were at the East County Civil War. Did not turn out quite how we thought in the score column, but I think it's what was expected with the outcome. I think uh, looking at, I mean, going into the game, obviously Montesano is a heavy favorite. They're ranked in the top 10 in the state. Elma's winless in league. I think this is an Elma program. Like they had some seniors that were really good and really competitive. Defense has been a real struggle for Elma. They've had a hard time stopping teams this year. But offensively and with their passing game, and they're like a 70 to 75% passing team, with their passing game, they've been able to put up points even on good opponents. I think they scored 26 points on Tonino earlier this year. Um, and their junior quarterback, Carter Studer, has been really good. Lots of passing performances in the two to 300-yard range, a lot of multi-touchdown games. They have two senior receivers in, in Gibson Kane and Kyron Hackney that have put up really good stats and have proven to be real weapons this year. Um, and so going into that game, I felt like, okay, Montesano is a real heavy favorite, but I would... I would felt like it would have been surprising to think that Elma wasn't going to score. And then when the game started, you know, Elma gets the ball first, a couple of first downs, boom. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of the, they're, they're gaining yards. They're not getting yards easily, but they're gaining yards. You're gaining yards in the passing game. Got a couple of first downs and then there's a fumble. They lose a fumble. Okay. So that's kind of deflating. Montesano, you know, marches right down, scores a touchdown then Monty does this thing that they do pretty regularly with their kicker, Felix Romero. He's really good at this. He's got a great boot, first of all. He's an awesome kicker and an awesome punter. A but great they soccer do this player, thing where too. They... What's that? I, I've heard he's an excellent soccer player, too, which maybe leads into this. Right. So they do this thing where they have him like pick a guy and then kick, try to kick the ball as hard as he can right at him. And they pick the guy on the front line kick the ball right at him, it bounces off the guy, boom, they get the ball right back, they march down and score again. So now Elma's offense has only been on the field one time, they were moving the ball, but then they turned it over, and now all of a sudden they're down two scores. So at that point, they're like, hey, we're kind of still in this, they go out, they're, they look like they're about to complete it for another first down, ball's right in the hands of the receiver, bloop, drop, right into the hands of a defensive player, interception, Montesano then gets the ball back, marches right down, scores another touchdown. It's a 20 to nothing game, and it felt like Elma was just kind of deflated after that. Um, they were probably trying to score too many points all at once. There was more there was more interceptions after that. And I'd have to say, of the four interceptions, two of them were not the quarterback's fault. There was the one I already mentioned where the ball just got dropped right into a defender's hand by a receiver. And there was another one where um, Elma, especially as the game went on, was really struggling with Montesano's pass rush, struggling to keep you know, the blitzes and the extra linebackers away from the quarterback. 
it forced a lot of rushed throws. And there was one where Carter Studer went to throw the ball. And as he was throwing it, he got hit and the ball went like almost straight up in the air. And then it actually got intercepted by Montesano's uh, interior defensive lineman, Tyler Johansson. <laughs> so if you don't put that one on the quarterback, that means half the interceptions weren't really his fault. But I felt like that third score and watching Montesano go up 20 to nothing was deflating in a way that it didn't seem like Elma really played um, with the kind of vigor and energy that they came out with in the beginning of the game. Um, I would commend uh, Monty in a lot of ways because, you know, early second quarter, they were already mixing in a lot of subs and all the second team guys that were coming in were performing really well, you know, as evidenced by the fact that it was indeed a shutout. Um, And then also Montesano's JV offense came in and going up against what I, I think was still at least mostly uh, Elma varsity defense, they put together a 12-play drive and went down the field and scored a touchdown in the third quarter um, with just an all-JV offense. And it was an all-JV offense that I would add also didn't have Tucker Eaton, who I think would be the best halfback on that JV team. So I think it was a really great showing for Monty, probably was ultimately like best-case scenario, what you hope for to close out the season you know, this is a team that was probably feeling a little angry after that Tonino loss last week and going into this rivalry game on senior night just really amped up. And uh, kind of off the field, I mean, we've seen different situations throughout <laughs> this season specifically, um, but we saw yet another one kind of happen where we've seen situations where Aberdeen didn't get home field when they were supposed to have it different situations like that with, you know, the Myrtle Street rivalry game with their game against Montesano. We saw yet another thing happen. Elma's senior night was taken away from them because they didn't get a chance to play in their previous game, correct? And so I thought, I mean, as much as I don't like comment or commending Montesano for things, <laughs> I think that they got this one right. And, uh, celebrated the senior night of Elma's players as well. Yeah, Elma's last home game, which would have been hosting Eatonville uh, last week, was canceled due to an outbreak of illness. Um, So Elma didn't get that game. And they didn't get, like, you know what senior nights are always like, all the festivity and you bring your parents out and everybody gets gifts, and they still didn't get that um, the way that you would have on a normal senior night. I did think it was nice. Um, they at least said, well, since the Elma seniors didn't get recognition on their senior night on their home field, let's give them all a shout out. And they mentioned by name all of the Elma um, seniors, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, it, it's not, again, it's not the same. So I still feel bad for the kids that they didn't get that full senior night experience. Um, and there was actually a similar thing that happened in PL Willapaw Valley earlier a couple weeks ago because they were supposed to have their senior night and then the team that they were going to play against ended up forfeiting. So I think they still went to the field and did senior night, but it just wasn't during a football game. So it wasn't the same. Yeah. So yeah, these experiences, I think that um, we watch and sometimes it's like uh, senior night. That's kind of annoying. That means there's all this festivity and it's going to take forever and all that. But it really means a lot to the kids to have things feel real and feel special like that. So even though Elma did get to have their names announced as seniors, they didn't get that full experience. So that's still kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, I still have my pictures from senior night 
you know, I only, I think I only, because in baseball, we didn't really do that much of a senior night type thing. Yeah, you know, we got some pictures of us. Thankfully, I think Patty Reinvan had some pictures that she had taken of us during the season and gave those to us. So we kind of had some sort of ceremony. But in basketball and football, I, the ceremony is kind of a big deal, you know, and you get out there with your parents, as you mentioned, and you get gifts for your mom and all that. And it's a big deal. And I still have pictures of that. And it still means a lot to me, even though that was 15 years ago. Holy crap. That was 15 years ago. Um, and it, so yeah, you're old. It, I am old and it bums me out. Uh, speaking of old, not, I'm not, that was kind of a bad segue. <laughs> Ian reminded me other that the other day that it is the 20th year anniversary of the Jeff Nimi half court shot that he made. And also the 20th year anniversary coming up of the, the Elma state championship that they won because a quarterback, I think from Linden Christian or one of those Northern towns ran backwards and dropped the football thinking the game was over and Elma pounced on it and took it for the touchdown to win the game. It's the 20th year anniversary of both of both of those things. That's crazy. Yeah. It shocked me when he said it was the 20th year anniversary of Nimi's shot because yeah. So did basketball season used to start earlier? No, I, I think he said those were coming up. So, oh, okay. so I'm I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit because the state obviously so it's not the, the state, anniversary. It's just this is it's the, been it's the 20th year. Yeah, it's the 20th year. So when those oh, dates okay. come up, so I'm butchering a little bit. Um, I'm Ian's gonna get upset with me for probably mentioning them before the actual day they happen. But that blew my mind to think that it's been 20 years since Nimi made that shot, which was, I believe, was that their junior year or their sophomore year? I can't remember. Anyway. It's it's a long time, long time. Um, so we got a couple of comments here. Um, Rob Burns says, "How about individual sponsors?" I mean, Rob, if you want to sponsor us, I would love that. That'd be great. Um, he says Justin sounds like he's broadcasting from a submarine. So Tenny, um, we we apologize, Justin. About that. Is your undisclosed location underwater? Yeah, are you in a submarine? It's undisclosed. What do you not understand about undisclosed? <laughs> Parts unknown. I can ask questions if I want. Uh, Daniel says the new strangest Daniel statement, because I was talking about pickles. Um, Rob Burns <laughs> says pickle Daniel. And then he says, yes, Felix R- Romero is very good at soccer. And then uh, Christian Delgado said Elma did do the same as PL. They had a senior night recognition, but still not the same for Elma for sure. And that that's absolutely the case. So I'm glad they still did something that PL Willapaw Valley did and, and had that senior night festivities, but yeah, it's, it's just not the same. Um, so, all right. Is, is that all you got from the East County civil war matchup? Anything else you want to mention? I think so I, I don't, I think um, one thing, the only other thing I wanted to note was uh, I was, I felt really bad for Ethan Blundred. Um, not being able to play on his senior night. He's seems to have, I don't want to speculate about kids injuries, but he sat out and it, it was like a ankle leg, something in his lower leg um, appeared to be bothering him that he had hurt the previous week. And they did actually in the third quarter, um, they had 
a most of the starters and then the guys who are seniors all took the field together for a few plays to open the third quarter on offense. So Ethan got to go out there and just be as a wide receiver. So at least got to be on the field for a few plays as a senior. Um, and I thought Cole Eckerson, his performance stepping in at halfback when Cole is, is the team's safety. He's one of their best defensive players for sure. Really focuses on that side of the ball and he's really good at it. Um, whenever he has stepped in on offense, I've always felt like he played really well, but he just hasn't, it's not been his focus. He focuses on defense. So for him to be able to step in at halfback without ever really having like in the high school system, having played it very little or not at all to be able to go, you know, 160 yards on 10 touches. I thought it was really phenomenal. So stepping in for his senior brother, Cole Eckerson, um, really good performance in that game for Montesano. And that's, I don't, I'll, I won't go on any longer. Uh, go dogs. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on then to the Aberdeen playoff situation. So Aberdeen had a chance to lock up the three seed. If they would have beat Shelton, they did not. They started slow, ended up making a furious comeback, could not finish it out losing 41 to 34, <laughs> Now that leaves them in, for the second year in a row, a Kansas tiebreaker to see two teams in, one team out of the playoffs. This is something that has happened a lot with this Aberdeen squad over the past few years. I remember all the way back, I think the first time I, I covered one was when Joel DeBlanco was forced into playing quarterback as a junior for that team. And uh, we've had a few different Kansas tiebreakers, especially in this Evergreen 2A uh, tournament or league and now they have to play black hills and shelton college playoff rules round robin weird style night of a football game it's weird to me that it's at tumwater because i'm pretty sure that's where black hills plays their football games as well so it's at black hills's home stadium not sure why they get a borderline home game because of this i mean it's kind of a middle ground but not I really assumed so, like, they're playing the Kansas tiebreaker because all the teams have the same record in league and against each other, and there's a playoff spot on the line. But there's still tiebreakers that put them in a certain order, like by point differential or whatever. I assumed, I could be wrong, that Black Hills ended up being the top of the three in the tiebreakers, and that's why they get to host. Because, yeah, they do play their home games at Tumwater Stadium. So, basically, they're the one seed. That would, of this tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, I get the opportunity to go broadcast it again. This is, I want to say this is the third one of these that I've done. Um, they are a blast. They can this last is tomorrow, for, right? Yeah, this is tomorrow night. They can last forever or they can be done Ooh, after yes. two rounds. Two rounds. It's, it's crazy. Um, Rob says that it should be at Southtown Stadium, North Thurston. I would agree with that, but... I mean, as as it is, Tumwater Stadium is a pretty cool place to go to broadcast a game, so it'll be fine. Um, Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's closer than North Thurston, I guess. Um, or, yeah. Uh, basically, they're just trying to eliminate one team in this situation. So what kind of caught me off guard last year was once one team was eliminated, they just went to who had the head-to-head -head record of the other two teams to decide their playoff position. So it is not a true 
three-team round robin to decide the seeds of all the teams. So let's say if if you're an Aberdeen fan, you are hoping that Shelton is the team that's eliminated because Aberdeen has the head-to-head tiebreaker over Black Hills. So Aberdeen would be the three seed. Black Hills would be the four seed. If Shelton and Aberdeen are the teams that are still there, then Shelton would be the three seed. Aberdeen would be the four seed. So what caught me off guard last year is I was expecting it to be, okay, they're trying to figure out they're all going to play each other to figure out what happens. But I think last year it was uh, Rochester beat Centralia and then Aberdeen beat Centralia. And that eliminated Centralia. And then Rochester had the head-to-head tiebreaker against Aberdeen. So they didn't need to play that game. So Rochester was the three seed. So it's a similar situation here. They're just trying to eliminate one team. And then the head-to-head tiebreaker between the two remaining teams is what comes into effect. Did I explain that correctly? Yeah, that sounded right to me. The only other thing to mention is, I believe... So it's their... I think Washugal is who they would play if they were the four seed. And Mark Morris is who they would play if they are the three seed. Justin, do you know if that's correct? I cannot confirm or deny that. Okay, I'll try and let me try and scramble to find that. Um, Have you been able to go to any of these Kansas tiebreakers yet? No, I haven't. Um, I always think that they seem really fun. I thought, although, like when um, now Montesano, Tenino, and Eatonville tied, like they shared the league title because they all had the same record in league and they all split against each other. It would be so fun to do a Kansas tiebreaker to determine a league champion. It's kind of unnecessary, yeah. but it would be fun. I think the idea of it's really cool. Oh, it would be horrible for my heart. I wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> um, but... I think these things are really cool. I also think it's worth noting, like, this Aberdeen loss to Shelton. Um, it feels like... <laughs> there is a large one dog the on the screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of distracting. High facts. That is a polar bear, not a dog. Um, and This Aberdeen loss to Shelton feels like one of the most excusable losses I can think of. Like, this team is so crushed by injury... They have not only like they like literally they have a guy playing on one knee, and he ended up playing quarterback for them in the second half because the guy who started at quarterback got hurt. You know their their best interior player, Paul Baltazar, is only playing on one side of the ball because he's playing through an injury and just coming back from an injury. They've had defensive backs out. Um, they had a receiver who's been um, a really solid player for them this year who had a death in the family and wasn't able to play this week. Like the hits just keep coming over and over again for Aberdeen to the point where like, yeah, I feel like going into that game, I was looking at it going, okay, this I'm confident here. This is a good Aberdeen team. I saw Shelton earlier this year because Montesano played him. I think Shelton's good, but I think Aberdeen's better. And then there's just like this really weird mix of things kind of all collaborating that make it so Aberdeen doesn't end up being able to pull it out in the end. And I, I feel like I feel Aberdeen is better if fully constructed than what they were able to put out on the field on Friday. Absolutely. And I, and I am confirming right now, if they 
end up the four seed. They will play Washugal, who is the one seed coming out of the Greater St. Helens League. Mark Morris is the two seed. RPI ranking-wise, Washugal's the eighth in the state, and Mark Morris is the ninth. So they're pretty similar, actually. And while we have seen some dominant, some truly dominant teams coming out of that Greater St. Helens League 2A the past few years... I gotta say, it's not so much this year. I mean, Washugal and Mark Morris are good, but they both have one loss on the season. Uh, Washugal doesn't have any in league, but they still have a loss. That's a pretty big league down there, by the way. I mean, that's kind of lucky for them. They have Washugal, Mark Morris, Ridgefield, Columbia River, Woodland, Hawkinson, Hudson's Bay, and R.A. Long. They have an eight-team league, so they don't need to play very many non-league games. So it's a, it's a little interesting to see exactly how great they are. Hawkinson had been the powerhouse in that league for a while now. So uh, to see them all the way down missing the playoffs this year is kind of surprising. So it's going to be interesting to see if Aberdeen can get out of this Kansas tiebreaker, if they play Washugal or Mark Morris, are those possibly winnable games? I mean, because if they can get healthy, I guess would be the thing. I mean, or healthier because some of the injuries just aren't going to get completely fixed. But I mean, they could get healthier. Like Baltazar is just going to get healthier, I think throughout the season. So that might help a little bit, but um, it's going to be interesting to see just how that goes tomorrow night. If they can survive tomorrow night, then they're playing on short rest to then play either Washugal or Mark Morris on the following Saturday. Probably it'll most likely be a Saturday game because those are fairly long road trips and they're coming off of a Monday Kansas tiebreaker. So we do still need to name an Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Yes. And I also have poll results. Yes. We got a tough choice to make here on Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. I know what my vote it is, but we all get a vote. So uh, before we do that, we're going to take a commercial break and then we'll name an Athlete of the Week and run through the nominations right on the other side of a word from our sponsors. At Ole Penn Real Estate, we have solidified our foundation on four core values. First, we continuously focus on growing our knowledge in the market and in our practices to bring the highest level of competency to our clients. Second, we provide a high level of integrity, compassion, and kindness in every aspect of our business. Third, we put the human element above business through humor, enthusiasm, and patience. And last but not least, we proactively respond to the needs of our clients. Our mission is to create a personal real estate experience, one person and one home at a time. With OliPen, it's personal. Hi, we're Welcome back, back, Justin. <laughs> Welcome back to the scrimmage. I'm Justin Damashevitz. Co-host Daniel Hargrove will be rejoining us shortly, and our producer Andrew Gross is here with us as well. We are brought to you by Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Daniel is back from the, the undisclosed location. Is to name the Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, and so I want to run through some potential athletes of the week here. Um, I know who my front runner is, and I'm going. I'm going to say right off the bat, my vote's going to go to Jaden McElravey of Montesano football. Um, on senior night, we get the escalator of it being the East County rivalry game. 120 rushing yards and four touchdowns. 
five of six passing for 68 yards. All those offensive stats came in the first half, by the way. Um, five tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble. He was the one um, when I told you at the beginning of the game that there was an interception and a fumble in the first two Elma series that really made the game turn and it felt like Elma got deflated. Jaden was the one who had the pick. He's the one who forced the fumble on those two series. So Jaden McElravey, nomination for Athlete of the Week. I think Austin Snodgrass needs a nod here. Um, RSB locking up the third seed in their league with the win over a really solid Morton White pass team. He had 151 passing yards and a touchdown, 95 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, for Elma soccer, they had a 7-1 to win over Eatonville this week in which Grace <laughs> Spencer and Beta Valentine both had a hat trick. Let's go. Take that, Eatonville. And uh, then for Hope William Volleyball, I looked at everything and all the stats, and I couldn't pick a player. So I just put Hope William Volleyball, all of them. Yeah. Need to be nominated for Athlete of the Week because undefeated regular season is really impressive what those girls did. Absolutely. I love all of those nominations. Um, uh, obviously, the Hoquiam Volleyball, I'm going to be a little bit partial to. It's hard, though, when you're trying to make this about an Athlete of the Week, though. And I think that, you know, we've had, I mean, we've had snubs of the week, right, before for a long time. And yeah. uh, Trace Ridgeway, I mean, you could call the snub of the week the Trace Ridgeway Award, right? Yeah. And then it was Isaiah Pierce after that. Yeah. Yeah, but more so Trace. More so Trace. Yeah. Let's be honest. We snubbed him a lot. I yeah, think... sorry Trace became a catchphrase. Exactly. I think that Jaden has had some excellent performances this year, but for various reasons we have looked elsewhere. And while I love Hoquiam, you know that I've I let my Grizzly show what? A, a decent amount. And while hat tricks are ridiculous and awesome, and that two people got one in one game, we have kind of had new standards with schmat tricks and double hat tricks and all of this weird stuff for the whatever. Rob gave us some actual names for different things, for like a true hat <laughs> trick is like in one half or something like that. Um. And Austin Snodgrass has had just an amazing year. And when you said that he should get a nod, I was all I could think of was he could get he should get a snod right here. But I think <laughs> that I think this is the week that Jaden McElravey should be the Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. 120 rushing yards, four touchdowns, five for six passing for 68 yards, five tackles, an interception, a forced fumble, and most of that, Justin, I'm assuming, was in the first half. Uh. All of the offensive stats definitely were in the first half, and the interception and the forced fumble were on the first two um, Elma offensive series. The five tackles could have mixed in a little bit in the second half, but it would have been almost all of those stats would be first half stats. All right. So that is going to be our Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Congratulations, Jaden McElravey. Definitely well-deserving on that award. And again, probably the most prestigious award you'll ever you win. Not because you won't win any more awards, but because this is the most prestigious award out there. Well, and Jaden doesn't play basketball, so he can't become a certified bucket <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a couple of comments to get there. 
Um, Daniel says, we always wanted Shelton to be eliminated. He also says the Mark Morris are butterflies. As reference to their mascot, they are the monarchs. And he says, swat them, I say. Uh, Kristen Delgado says, J-Mac for sure, go dogs. And yes, Jaden McElravey is our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. All right, it's all go down dogs. here from it's all downhill from here on out, Jaden. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, bud. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, okay, Justin, it is now for one of my favorite parts of the show, the show, the part of the show where I find out if I'm going to be canceled this week. Oh, I thought it was the mail. Bag. I didn't. I was like, I oh. didn't pose that question. I didn't ask if you should be canceled this week. We haven't done um, mailbag for a while. We haven't. Andrew just brought up mailbag. We haven't done mailbag for a while. And we have people yeah, commenting, right. hey, uh, impromptu mailbag session coming after <laughs> poll results. There's people actually chiming in here. Throw in a random question about a- anything. Example, but don't ask this question, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, Please don't ask that question. Don't ask that question because we don't have time for it tonight. But throw in any random questions. And uh, But right now, it's time for poll results. So the first poll... Should Justin be fined for forgetting WF West's mascot, which I did the WF West. Uh... <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't be fined for what that. What is their mascot? Well, the Bearcats. 64% uh, of the audience, 64% said, yes, I should be fined for that. <laughs> you don't to need be to be fair. I voted yes on that, but I would vote yes on like, is should Justin be fined? Yes. I didn't read further. <laughs> You're not. Okay. Working. Here's the next one. This, this is a Daniel-based question. All right. You're not working in Lewis County. You don't need to know all their mascots. I need to brush up because there's <laughs> so many different cities and high schools in Lewis County. I need to know all of them, and I'm a little scared that I don't know all of them right now. But I do know the mm, Bearcats. I'm just learning. Lewis County might be bigger than I thought. They have a lot of right, cities. Justin. You know the... I'm, I have an idea for a future Stump Daniel topic. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Name that Lewis County high school mascot. You know what's interesting is... Match the mascots in high schools and towns. As a county, I think it's roughly the same size as Grace Harbor. I'm not positive on that. But for some reason, they have... It's. It feels like... Maybe I'm wrong on this. It feels like they have more cities. I could be incorrect on that. Do you mean, like, population-wise, it's the same size? Yeah. Oh, As a county. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not positive. I'll have to do some research. When you initially said it, I thought you were saying the same land, like the same area. And I was like, they're the same size, roughly. Oh, that's also a good question because Grace Harbor is weird shaped. And Grace Lewis County got so much empty space in it north, yeah. to the north. though. Yeah. And Lewis County is like a rectangle, like just all the yeah. way across. It's interesting. Anyway, sorry, Justin. What's the next one? This is a Daniel based poll question. If you are in your 30s, is it reasonable to hold a grudge against an entire <laughs> town for something that happened in 7th grade AAU basketball? <laughs> yes, it is absolutely reasonable. Take that, Eatonville. <laughs> well, Daniel, 72% of our audience agree with you. It is reasonable. Yes, let's go. <laughs> All right, now take two on this question. Where does Mary M. Knight get its kids? I added the third option to it. It's either Matlock, The Woods, or I don't know. Okay. The Woods won again. Yes. 50% of our audience <laughs> said that they get their kids from The Woods. Gotcha. Uh, Rob says Grace Harbor has more timberland. Lewis County is just highway, which is weird because it is kind of highway in two directions, right? Like there's the towns on I-5 and then there's the towns on Highway 12. So that makes sense. 
anyway, back to your polls. The next poll question. Now, Daniel, you were very disappointed last week when you were talking about how we haven't had a Haley Van Lith question in a really long time. <laughs> so I was like, what was something from this episode that Daniel felt like he did well? And I would put you up against Haley Van Lith, and I remembered you commenting on your video commercial that you created, right. saying that it was really nice. And I said it was skillfully done. So it led to the poll question, who would be more skillful in creating a video commercial? Daniel Hargrove <laughs> or Haley Van Lith? <laughs> Come on! 90% of the audience said Haley Van Lith would be more skillful <laughs> in creating a video commercial than you. Come on! Wait, was this peak Daniel Hargrove? Or <laughs> hey! <laughs> Just my Daniel Hargrove, because I thought, like, right now you'd probably be better at it than any time before. Come on! I, right, I I'm offended more. at that one. <laughs> <Last> one. <laughs> I'm offended at all the Haley Van List ones. You've never beaten Haley, right? She's undefeated she, against you. She is undefeated in polls. <laughs> he specifies in Who polls. Who would be better at poll questions? Daniel Hargrove <laughs> or Haley? Okay. Uh, I think that's obvious. Last one. This is something based on something Daniel said. Is saying fiddly D potatoes to an Irish person for no reason the equivalent of shouting bangers and mash every time someone mentions something vaguely British? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, yeah, that's that's equivalent. Yeah, it's closer than I thought, but yes, fifty-seven <laughs> percent of people said yes. Gotcha. It is the equivalent. Yeah, I feel and like that's it for our poll questions. I feel like we should add one into that, like yelling Wiener Schnitzel at a German person or something like that. Okay, that'll be on next week's poll. <laughs> or Volkswagen. <laughs> Well, uh, Rob's offended. Rob, are you okay? Can you be quick on the draw on this comment? Are you what? What are you British or are you Irish? I guess British Burns. Maybe Bur he just likes to yell fiddle dee dee potatoes Burn, at Irish people. He could, and is therefore offended. Burns sounds like a British or an an English name, though. If I have to guess on that one, that might offend him more so, even more than the dogs barking in the background of Justin's feed here. <laughs> Justin, is that Azula or is it? Oh, what's your other dog's name? Zuko. Zuko. Is that Azula or Zuko? Thank you, Hannah, in the background, letting me know what dog is barking in the background for you. It's it's Azula. Azula. Yeah. She she's a little feistier. That 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 is very understandable you named those dogs so yeah. you should be aware that what those names do to their personality well there's a polar bear in the screen again i guess not quite in the screen um just in my vision <laughs> all right well nobody threw any random mailbag questions in here so i guess i'll just ask for some for next week okay we'll do a, so a social media post for next week's what's your mailbag? favorite kind of pickle daniel my favorite kind of pickle? Mm -hmm. A dill pickle? It's a Vlasic pickle. What's a, <laughs> wait, what's that from? That sounded like a quote. I was thinking maybe a, a baseball commercial. pickle would be your favorite. A what? A baseball pickle. Ooh, that's a good one. A bickle. Oh, yeah. A baseball pickle. A bickle. You know, when people get in a rundown. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Justin, come is that on. Not a, is that... No, that's so okay. common. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and do I? <laughs> Sometimes I think that names are for things and it's just something that 
somebody said once once no no that's definitely okay. a thing justin feels embarrassed <laughs> poll question should justin should be, be embarrassed <laughs> should justin be fine yes. for not knowing what a baseball pickle is <laughs> A bickle. Right. A bickle. Not knowing what a bickle is. Yeah. That's going to do it for our... Oh, by the way, we have some super amazing homemade pickles right now from one of our friends, the Smiths, and the juice itself, like, I just want to sip it. Sip it it's like... It's called a pickleback. Like a fine... A pickleback? All right. Pickleback is a shot with pickle juice. Oh. Well, I don't even need the <laughs> shot. I just need the juice. It is amazing. Anyway, that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you. I drink pickle juice. It's It's delicious. Um, that's going to do it for our show today for the third time. <laughs> Thank you so much to our sponsors, Olipin Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. For my co-host, Justin, the Sembarinist Damashevitz. <laughs> Submariner. And my co-host, Daniel, the Eatonville grudge holder, Hargrove. <laughs> and our producer, Andrew, the owner of a polar bear, Gross. <laughs> Don't call us PETA. You've been listening to The Scrimmage.